I'm going to read this verbatim, and I'm only going to read it once. Many of America's children have entered a world where no government official will ever check on what or how well they're being taught. I hope you're sitting down for this episode of Right Angle with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green. I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible. Gentlemen, that line was from the Washington Post, and I left a small phrase out of it. Many of Americans new, America's new homeschooled children have entered such a world where no government official is tracking their behavior. And it turns out that homeschooling has experienced a bit of a surge since about 2017. Um, the Washington Post had a hard time getting hard figures in some jurisdictions because it's they're not always necessarily counting how many are in homeschools, but uh, they do know uh, that public school attendance has fallen off about 4%. Private school attendance has risen about 7%, but homeschooled students in the states they were able to get data from, it's up like 51% in the last six years or so. Um, and what I found interesting about this is not that people would find that homeschooling is appealing. Um, and by the way, there was a, there was a bit of a, a greater surge during the pandemic. Actually, no, it really did. It, it just kept on its upward trajectory, but it's fallen off a bit since the, the pandemic. Uh, but a lot of people are still doing it. So it's not like it plummeted back to pre-pandemic levels or anything like that. Um, Bill, what I find fascinating about this is the way the Post approached the story. Uh, first of all, just saying that they're going to, they're entering a world where no government official will ever check on them. <laughs> like, I was cheering. I was going to launch fireworks. Well, like what's it's the opposite of time. 1984? It's such a sinister thing. And then acknowledging that it's a fast, homeschooling is the fastest growing form of education. They refer to it as a, quote, largely unregulated practice once confined to the ideological fringe. Uh, elsewhere in the story, mm. they say that some, you know, 40 years ago or more, it was it was illegal in some places. And I was like, gee, you know, Washington Post, our history is a little longer than 40 years. You could have gone back a little further to see what it was like before that, but they didn't. Um, and they do acknowledge late in the story that the rise of homeschooling has led to critics of weak, has led critics of weak regulation to sound alarms. Who is Who has that on their business card, by the way? <laughs> I, I'm a yeah, I'm William a, Whittle. I'm a critic, critic of weak of regulations. Weak regulation. Yeah. Um, so and and they they quote a Harvard uh, professor emeritus, which in most oh well then must be true. Most professions, it's just you're retired, but they're emeritus. Um, saying uh, her name is uh, Elizabeth Bartholet, and she says um, we should worry about whether they're learning anything. All these students that are in people's homes. Now, Bill, I will say up front something that the Post really doesn't make explicit, except in a roundabout way, despite the fact that it is the fastest growing form of education for kids, it's still a relatively small group and frankly, hard to count. Uh, back in 2019, uh, the best numbers they have say that there were about 1.5 million homeschooled students in the country. The Post now estimates somewhere between 1.9 and 2.7 million uh, homeschool students. Um, still a relative blip, but growing at a very fast rate everywhere from 
from rural Kentucky to New York City. Um, Bill, what do you think, not only of the of the continued rise and, and accelerating rise, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's almost a straight line up, um, but also the fact that the Washington Post seems to report it as if it were something to be feared. Well, for the Washington Post, it is something to be feared. When your Harvard professor emeritus says that she's really worried that they may not be learning anything, what she's really saying is that they're worried that they may be learning something. They may be learning something about the history of this country. They may be learning something about the structure of the government. They may be learning math, which means they can add and do calculations on all kinds of other things. They may be learning to think for themselves. They may be learning that there's an alternative view of America other than the birthplace and and perpetual home of slavery. They may learn a lot of things that these people have basically spent the last 80 years now, but certainly the last 40, really, really, really trying to um, to make sure they don't learn. They, this is just a simple case of, of it's, it's just a simple case of voting with your feet. American public schools, this needs to be said, American public schools for a century and a half were the envy of the world. And people would send ambassadors to America to see a country that educated 98% of its population was literate at no cost to them in terms of uh, having to pay for the schooling directly. Anyway, obviously, it's paid through taxes because ain't nothing is free. But it was it was a model for the world. And after um, the Russians, those those filthy communists put Sputnik up, all of a sudden, everything kicked into gear in this country. And, and within the space of two years, we created entire armies of engineers and, and scientists who, who went to the moon doing the math in their heads. So it started out as a magnificent social uh, landmark. It was something to really be proud of. And then along come public sector unions, and, and that's the end of everything. So the decline of, of the schools began when when it became impossible to fire bad teachers. And once it became impossible to remove bad teachers, the left uh, looked at this and said, well, obviously we're in the mind control business. Give us your kids and we'll raise the next generation to believe this nonsense that we believe in. And, and so basically what happens is the schools continue to degrade. And I've said this several times, it bears mentioning, if you were to, if you were to plot a graph of when the national uh, when the education uh, department of education was uh, was summoned from the depths of hell <laughs> you could watch the quality of the of the test scores going down and the other thing you'll notice about it scott if you look at a real simple graph of american recent history in education you'll notice if you start from when the department of education was was uh, incubated uh <laughs> You'll, you'll see that, that over the course of the intervening years, test scores have gone down and money spent on education has gone up to the point where we now spend three and a half times more per student than any other country in the world in order to get the 30th best test, test scores on the planet. That's just plain consumer economics. We're paying through the nose for a garbage product, and if somebody comes along with a better product – then we will do that because most parents value their kids' future above everything else. And let's face it, homeschooling is a major pain in the butt. It, it's, not, it's not easy and it's not fun. But rather, better that certainly than having them go to a school where they not only don't learn anything of any value, they are inculcated on a daily basis to values antithetical to, to yours. The, these teachers are no longer even teachers in the way that we understand it. When 
when we were in school, you would have teachers who had a, back, a chemistry teacher would, was a guy who used to be a chemist. Now a chemistry teacher is a 23-year-old education major. And, and, and she's more interested in getting validation from her seventh grade class about her, her transgender girlfriend than she is about teaching um, chemistry. So it's not a surprise. The schools have put themselves out of business and and so have the universities. I believe that brick and, and mortar universities, Ivy covered walls, I, I, it, it kills me to say it, but those are, those are finished. They are irrevocably or irrevocably corrupted, poisoned and, and corrupt, corrupted yeah. is the word. So the last thing I'll say on this point, though, however, is there is an enormous, enormous, enormous market opportunity out there for people to supply high quality uh, classically liberal education programs that can be delivered to people for their own homeschooling needs. And the way to really make this thing take off is to essentially have parents on, a, on the lowest possible level, like the neighborhood, the block level, basically say, okay, look, we've got nine kids on the block here are homeschooled. So instead of each one of us doing all of the subjects, how about if, 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 if you know, if uh, you know Janet handles the the history lessons for everybody and so on, you get you get a, a curriculum that's approved by Hills Hills uh, Dell College or something like that, and there's a lot of money to be made in this. But the one thing I keep coming back to is the one thing that we are completely wasting is is our retired people who really would like to have something to do. They are, they are absolute experts of 50 years of chemistry or engineering or mathematics or whatever. They're sitting there doing nothing. And next door, there are kids that are going to, um, to school and cannot name three countries outside of the United States. It's a, it's a, it's a criminal. It's just criminal across the board. Hey, uh, Scott, oh, can I throw in something to, to Bill real quick? That, that, <laughs> sure. that retirement thing, that, that struck a note. My father-in-law, who is, uh, he was in the Air Force, and then he worked for a, a ballistic missile defense company after he retired from the Air Force, uh, finally at the age of 80, retired last year. And his retirement lasted for about three months. He retired in May, and then when the school year began, he was volunteering to teach math at the elementary school, and he's so happy. Good, good. Because because retirement will kill people who are really good and love their job. It's it's not it's not good. Well, those things that that Bill mentioned are already underway um, and well along. The production of excellent curriculum by a wide variety of private companies, um, the uh, co-ops that have formed among parents of homeschoolers. In fact, in the Washington Post article, uh, one woman was talking about how they used to have about 40 kids uh, in her area that were involved in a co-op years ago um, of, you know, pulling together kids for group activities or for, uh, you know, having parents teach a particular topic or whatever. She said that same group is now uh, 600 kids and uh, awesome. and continues to grow. Um, and interesting thing is they found no correlation between uh, the, the uh, rapidity of the rise of homeschooling and the quality of the school district as uh, measured by or assessed by um, standardized tests. So even in so-called good school districts, they find that the, the homeschooling movement continues 
continues to grow? Because um, it's not all parents who are just saying, hey, my kid can't get a good education at that school, or although a lot of parents do comment about the political nature of some of the teaching, that's not the only thing. Um, Steve, there are also uh, parents' concerns about school shootings, about bullying, about just kind of the general environment, kind of the peer group influence of these these large sort of, I call them factory farm schools. Um, they list those things among the spurs to get them involved in homeschooling. Florida, as one might imagine, not only a, a populous state, but also uh, favorable toward things like school vouchers and charters and, and homeschooling, uh, has roughly 154,000 homeschooled kids and is um, actually, um, they have just expanded their voucher program to include homeschoolers. And so in the not too distant future, um, parents who are willing to uh, to show that they have an, um, an instructional plan and their kids will take annual standardized tests can get up to uh, $80,000 a year, I'm sorry, $8,000 a year in um, school vouchers. Um, of course, that's, you know, money right out of the mouths of those poor public school kids. And as the teachers <laughs> unions are quick to point out, but it's not just Florida. New York's population of homeschooled students has doubled since 2017 to 52,000. New York City, in 24 of 33 New York City school districts, growth of at least 200% among the homeschooled population there over the last six years. And, um, and still, you know, it's a speck relatively speaking, but it is a rapidly growing spec, almost a you know, geometric progression of growth here. Steve, one of the things I noticed about the Washington Post coverage, and maybe this is just me, you read more news than I do, so you can tell me, but there were two graphics in the story, and one was this chart that showed you know, the slow decline of public schools, the slight increase of private schools, and then this kind of skyrocketing um, movement or growth of homeschooling. And the line for the homeschoolers was a red line going up. And then there was another Danger. graph— that showed uh, it, it, it's kind of a, a block graph of the United States. So each staff, each state was represented as a, um, a, a square. That they were all exactly the same size squares. And then they had the number or the percentage of increase of homeschoolers in each one of them. The higher the rate of increase, for example, I'm looking at New York and Rhode Island and Washington, D.C. area and Tennessee, the higher the percentage rate of growth, the more red the color. So the, the, the states yeah. that were experiencing the greatest growth in homeschooling are denominated by a red background. And then the other ones are kind of goes to orange and then kind of a, a pale yellow kind of color. Um, Steve, is that just because red is a pretty color or do you think there's some other message that we're getting here? Oh, yeah, they're they're signaling danger, danger, danger. Um, and the Washington Post. Keep in mind, it's a crap paper. It's not. It's not a newspaper. It is a. It is a comfort read for far left ideologues and Washington types. That's perfect. That's, comfort read. That, that's all it is. Didn't I do a right angle on this just a week or two ago about the Washington Post terrible reporting on the uh, the so called hospital bombing in in Gaza? Well, so, yeah, we just we just put it up as yeah. the Times though. Yeah. So this is the kind of newspaper the Washington Post is. It's it's, it's not news. Um, it just it confirms the worldview of people who need their worldview confirmed. Um, you, know, <laughs> you reminded me, Scott. There was a, a comedy routine from Jeff Altman. I had this album of his thirty years ago or more, 
where he gets to college and he's trying to decide what his major is. And the dean's bugging him. You need a major, need a major, need a major. And he finally says, fine, math. The dean says, okay. And he says, wait, wait, wait. What am I going to do with a math degree? And the dean says, you'll teach. And he said, well, what will they do? And the dean said, they'll teach too. And Jeff Altman says, oh, my God, it's Amway with a football team. And what we have now, <laughs> what we have now, in the, especially in the Ivy League schools, where it's much more about lefty indoctrination than about education, it's Amway with death camps. Maybe not yet, but that's the direction they're going in. If you want to know how seemingly ordinary people heard other ordinary people into cattle cars, look at some of the responses on the left, particularly on college campuses, to what's going on in in Gaza right now. Those are the people. Those are the people. All right. To actually actually answer your question, um, there's a lot to, to chew on here, but it's a positive movement that is not without its own dangers. I believe in competition. I believe in homeschooling. If you or if you're in a bad district, or if you just think it's the right thing for your kids, get them out, teach them yourselves, get together with your neighbors, do the co-op thing, do it. But here's the thing: one of the reasons American public education was such a marvel is it was for everybody. As Bill said, 98% of the kids could read and got a good education. And this was such a great equalizer. This yep. th- this was part of the American dream. And mixer, too, a mixer. And a yeah. mixer, absolutely. And everybody who wanted a chance could could come out of high school with which would with what now would be a college degree practically and be able if they if they had the ambition and the drive to to take on the world, whether that meant directly or going to to a university first. And what we're seeing here is more of this bifurcation. This is just another example of it. As our public institutions crumble, we get the folks who uh, are pulling their kids out of the bad schools and giving them better educations at home, and the kids whose parents uh, either are not motivated or are not well-educated enough themselves or just don't care enough, whose kids are stuck in these schools getting their futures robbed from them in these in these failing schools, these failed schools. And I think the left wants this. We see the same thing when it comes to marriage. We watch marriage rates decline, and we see the rates of single motherhood increase. And if you want the, the most important indicator for a life of crime, it's growing up without a dad in the house. That's the number one indicator mm-hmm. for ending up in prison. And you don't see that among the uh, the credentialed class. Credentialed people tend to get married, stay married, raise kids in a stable two-parent home while they are telling all of their, their, their underlings, telling all the Morlocks, oh, yeah, marriage is passe. You don't need that. Uh, single motherhood yeah. is just fine. And so, yes, there, there, there are solutions. To, there are solutions. We're watching them develop organically, but... It's not a solution if it doesn't result in change, in improvements, in restructuring of our public institutions. That's what we need to set the long-term goal to be. Well, I was just struck by the overall tone of this article. Um, And 
Maybe it's because I was raised by my grandparents and know how life was back in the old timey days. Uh, but it just struck me that the Washington Post seemed just absolutely shocked that people might educate their own children. You know, the model that was used for thousands of years before we came up with this government run model of things. Um, and they just didn't seem to get it. And they were quoting, you know, so-called experts, our Harvard University professor emeritus and child welfare specialists and uh, two different union leaders. Uh, one of the union <laughs> leaders runs a state teachers union in Kentucky. And, and listen to this argument for why we need to be really concerned about homeschoolers and the threat they pose because of the, you know, Basically, uh, uh, public schools get funded based on enrollment. And so if you take kids out of the schools, that reduces the amount of money that goes from the state or federal government to the school. And so uh, this state union uh, president said that public school is, quote, the heart of the community in which it is situated. People gather there for football games, concerts, to celebrate the academic success of their students. And I thought, well, two out of three ain't bad. But um, anyway, <laughs> she, so she's basically making the argument not so much that uh, homeschooling isn't as good as public schooling or that public schooling should be sustained and supported because of the excellent education it provides, but rather it's a place where people can get together and watch a game or hear a concert, um, you know, or clap for a graduate. And uh, the other, the, the post itself notes that public school buildings make useful disaster relief shelters. <laughs> I thought, you know you're getting down to the bottom of the barrel of arguments when you're saying, look, we need to make sure we have our public schools around because in the next tornado, where are you going to go? And uh, I, I think uh, we ought to keep those buildings around and just, you know, sweep them once a month to make sure they're ready for the next tornado. But uh, the desperation from the media, the leftist media, as well as from the teachers unions is, is really misplaced. I mean, there's a simple answer to this, and it's not banning homeschooling or preventing uh, state governments from offering homeschooling vouchers. The simple answer is make public school good. That is the again. Like, why not? Again. Uh, why not look at it and say instead of hey, why are people taking their kids out of public school in such rapidly growing numbers? Um, instead of getting angry at those people, maybe they need to have uh, focus groups. <laughs> maybe they need to sit down with some of those people and say, hey, I noticed you pull your skid your kid out of school last year. Do you mind telling me about that? I'm not gonna try to persuade you or argue with you. I'm just curious. Why did that happen? Um, what could we have done better so that your child would still be in our school? And then do some of that stuff. It doesn't see it's it, if they thought like a business, rather than an entitled organization that is an indispensable arm of the government, then we, this article never would have happened because there wouldn't be such a rapid growth of homeschooling because people would say, you know what? I can't think of a better place to send my kid than that local elementary school. God bless them. I'm glad they're there. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible.